Hey, everyone. So glad you are joining us today. You know, I love the fact that we can engage with one another online as part of our worship experience together as a family. There are so many great stories of the diverse ways that we are engaging with this each week. For some of you, it's more of a personal experience as part of your time alone with God, perhaps as you're out on a walk or you're exercising or taking a much needed drive out to get out of the house. For others, it's been more of a family experience where you've found time each week to be able to worship together as a family in your home, which is so cool. Um, many many of us, or many of you are, are watching this during our actual broadcast times on Sunday morning. And if that's you, I wanna make sure that you know about a way you can engage with others in our church family during this time. So if you pull up this broadcast on our Facebook page, or our YouTube channel rather than our website, you can actually interact with others in our church family as well as some staff in the chat room feature. Um, You can also create a a watch party on Facebook with your friends or a small group um, and can experience our service together. You know, just a a funny story here, but I actually created a watch party last week and didn't know it. Um, I had uh, set up our son Joshua in his room on his bed with, with my computer computer um, and the CC kids on our Facebook, on the, their Facebook page, that service at nine o'clock. So I set him up and then I went to the living room so we could watch the adult service. So then when I went back to check on him at 1030, he had actually created a watch party on my Facebook page and was making comments about Iron Man and Batman um, and people were joining in. Um, so I, I should know better by now than to ever leave that child alone with my phone or my computer. Um, But however you are engaging with us, we are so glad that you are doing so. A few months ago, before this whole COVID-19 situation hit, my wife Raylene and I purchased a new mattress. Our mattress was really old and we were looking for something that would be more comfortable. Now, we didn't realize how much the mattress world had changed since we last purchased one. I mean, they have now have these, these remote control platforms under the mattress that enable you to raise your head or your legs as desired, which was awesome for me given my acid reflux struggles and needing to keep my head elevated. And and so as we were deciding on which mattress to purchase, the salesperson began to tell us about a particular setting on the mattress remote. It's called zero gravity, zero gravity. Basically, it elevates your head and your feet at the same time, which sounded weird to me. Um, But he explained how this setting was actually discovered by scientists with NASA because they noticed that when astronauts were in zero gravity and were sleeping, their bodies naturally assumed this position rather than a flat position. So when we got this mattress home, we decided to try this zero gravity position. And again, I gotta tell you, I was totally skeptical. I'm a side sleeper and I couldn't imagine how this would even remotely be comfortable. Well, now I'm a believer. I am a believer. I mean, it is amazing. Raylene calls it heaven on earth. You know, it feels like this perfectly balanced position where my body is naturally relaxed. Okay, so so as I've been enjoying that experience for the past few months, it got me thinking, wouldn't it be cool if there was a zero gravity posture for life? a particular posture of our heart and mind that would enable us in the midst of our stressful, anxiety-filled lives, that will enable us to experience this place of calm and rest, this place of peace. 
Well, there actually is one. God has given us a way to experience a zero gravity soul posture, no matter what is happening around us, no matter what storms we're going through. We discover this posture in the final chapter of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of friends of his, a group of believers in the city of Philippi. They were in the midst of some challenging and stressful situations and storms. And so near the end of his letter to them, he begins to focus on this theme of peace, how we can experience peace in the midst of the storms of life. And so we're in a teaching series where we're unpacking Philippians 4 to discover how to apply these truths to our lives. Well, today we're looking at Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, where Paul specifically addresses the issue of anxiety. Now, these two verses speak so powerfully to the current situation that we find ourselves in. And I'm not just talking about COVID-19. Before this virus ever hit, we were already seeing an epidemic of anxiety. Millions of people, young and old, battle with various effects of anxiety. 50 million Americans have been diagnosed with some form of anxiety disorder. And millions more of us have a low-grade anxiety that at times gets triggered and surfaces in various ways like excessive worry or sleeplessness or social withdrawal or maybe a, a, a panic attack. Even if anxiety wasn't a struggle before COVID-19, I'm guessing that most of us have had moments over the last few weeks where something triggered a response of worry or anxiousness in our own hearts. So wherever you are at with regard to this issue, I believe God wants to speak to our hearts today and invite us into a zero gravity posture of our soul a non-anxious way of experiencing life, no matter what is happening around us. So let me read these two verses. Feel free to read these out loud with me if you're comfortable doing so. Here we go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow, I mean, this is an incredibly powerful passage with so much practical stuff packed in here. So let's, let's unpack this. What, what Paul initially does here is identify the problem. He identifies the problem. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. See, what we see here is that anxiety is not a condition that God wants us to live in. It is not his heart for us. It is not his desire for us. Now, please hear me in saying that I'm not trying to minimize the real struggle of anxiety for many people. And I'm not trying to shame people who struggle with these things. And I'm not trying to offer, you know, simplistic solutions to really complex problems. No, 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 I'm not doing any of that. But what, but I I want all of us to hear these words through the lens of hope. 
God is for us. He does not want us living in anxiety. And he has given us some tools to help us in this battle, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But before we go there, I want us to unpack this word here translated anxiety. The Greek word that Paul uses here is actually a combination of two words. The first word is the word divide. The second is the word mind. See, anxiety is a state of having a divided mind. Rather than the wholeness and peace that God desires for us, worry and anxiety tend to distract our mind. That's how anxiety works. I know from personal experience, anxiety always starts with a thought and then it grows from there. In, in his book, uh, Be Anxious for Nothing, Max Lucado points out that anxiety and fear are actually closely related, but they are not the same thing. So fear is a natural God-given response to danger. For instance, if I see a snake coiled up in my backyard or I see a tornado barreling towards me, adrenaline starts pumping in my body, right? Enabling me to run faster and I have the strength to avoid this danger, which is a good thing. That is a God-given response to fear. But anxiety is different. Lucado writes, fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. Anxiety is a meteor shower of what ifs. What if I don't close the sale? What if we don't get the bonus? What if we can't afford braces for my kids and they end up with crooked teeth? What if crooked teeth keeps them from having friends or a career or a spouse? I mean, see, that's how anxiety works. It takes one thought and it begins to build a gigantic structure of what ifs that start impacting our lives and influencing our decisions. Again, fear naturally reacts. It naturally reacts to a coiled snake in the yard by taking appropriate action. Anxiety, on the other hand, is that voice that tells you never, ever, ever for the rest of your life walk barefoot through the grass. There might be a snake somewhere. See, do you see how anxiety divides and it scatters our minds? It creates rabbit trails of what ifs that become, literally become debilitating. It robs us of, of life and peace and joy. And here's the ultimate irony. It's doing all of that based on things that haven't even happened. Anxiety is based on the, an, on an imaginary future. I mean, the, the whole toilet paper thing, you know, is a vivid picture of how this works on a, on a macro level. I mean, at the start of this COVID crisis, there was plenty of toilet paper to go around until some people started to panic about not having enough if there was a shelter in place order and they started buying more than they needed and then they started telling their friends about that which caused other people to do the same and within a few days we actually created a shortage of toilet paper when there never was one. That is a vivid picture of exactly how anxiety works in our minds. It takes one what if fueled by a little panic, and it turns it into a major deal that was never based in truth. I mean, I, I remember the first week of this crisis, 
um, and hearing rumors, what's going to happen and all that. His first week going to the grocery store with Raylene and I could feel my panic level rising as I was walking through the store, noticing certain shelves or portions of shelves were empty. I felt hurried. I felt pressured. There won't be enough. So I started looking for things on the shelf that they were nearly out of and felt compelled to put them in our cart, even if I didn't even like to eat them. It didn't matter. I was going to put that in my cart. And, and at one point, Raylene was like, would you calm down? You are making me nervous. Um, I mean, she was, she was a much needed voice of calm and reason in the midst of all of my worry and my panic. See, worry functions like a backpack. It functions like a backpack. Right now, this backpack is empty. I don't even, I, I don't even notice it really on my shoulder. But let's say I start worrying about something. For instance, uh, man, what if I have a toothache and I can't go see a dentist, right? See, that, that thought, that worry is like a rock, it's like a, a rock that I just place in this backpack. So then let's say later on, I talk to a friend whose business is getting hit hard by this situation. Actually, multiple friends I've talked to. And, and I start to feel the weight of this for him and his family. And my concern starts to turn to worry, all these what ifs for them. And then I start to wonder, what if I lose my job? Or I start worrying about the health and well-being of people in our church or people in my family. I mean, these things feel weighty. They feel heavy. These are, these are heavy things. And so let's say I, I, I just put that then, as I'm thinking about it, I'm putting that in this backpack. And then let's just say later on in the day, Raylene and I have a conversation about our son Joshua, who has some significant special needs. And we start wondering about his future. Now that he's not going back to high school, right? He was a senior and now he's not going back to high school. What, what's this going to mean for us this summer? You know, having him home 24-7 for a number of months. And, and what if school doesn't even start to, you know, start back in the fall? What if they didn't start back in the fall? You know, we start thinking of all these what ifs. And now that's a, that's a larger rock. And I'm, I'm going to put that in here as well. So every time I worry, it's like, I'm adding a rock to this pack. And the more I worry about these things, the heavier these rocks become. These, these what ifs just keep growing and pretty soon I'm feeling the weight of this. It's impacting me emotionally. It's impacting me mentally. It's impacting me physically. Suddenly, honestly, life just feels more dark and heavy and gloomy as I'm carrying this around. Again, this is not how God designed us to live with a divided mind, you know, carrying the weight of a future that presumes the reality of worst case, scenario, worst case scenarios, which is why Paul says here, do not be anxious about anything. You know, Jesus says the exact same thing in Matthew 6. Jesus says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. There's a sense of panic right here in this verse. The pagans run after all these things. I mean, the point is God doesn't want us living in this state of worry and hurry and anxiety. So what's the alternative? Well, God shows us in the next statement, God gives us his 
prescription for anxiety. God gives us a specific practice that directly counters what our anxiety is doing. So what is God's prescription for our anxiety? Look at verse six. Do not be anxious about anything. We already looked at that. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, God is inviting us to intentionally counteract the trajectory of worry and anxiety in our minds and our hearts by making a strategic pivot, a strategic pivot. Rather than continuing to carry our worries, God invites us to cast them upon him, to cast them upon him. That's what Paul is describing here. The the actual language here is, let your requests be made known to God. Now that's kind of an interesting statement given the fact that God already knows what we need. I mean, it's not like in prayer, we're letting God know about something that he didn't already know, right? So, So why then does he want us to make our, requ- our requests and needs known to him? Why, why does he want us to do that? It's because when we choose to do this, guess where our hearts and minds are now focused? Not on the what ifs, but on the I am. In his presence, we can release into his hands our backpack of worries. See, Paul is saying to us, don't carry your worries, cast them onto the Lord. Specifically, by name, present your requests to God. A friend of mine recently told me how she was, uh, a few months ago, she was so filled with worry and she kept praying about it and, and nothing got better. And then she realized why she was praying in general for her worries. God, help me with my worry. But, but rather than specifically casting each one on to the Lord. See, that's the key. Don't carry a worry, cast it onto the Lord. Now, even though this seems like a simple concept, we often don't instinctively do this. And the reason is because we as a culture have found all sorts of different ways of dealing with our anxiety. We, we all have, all of us here, we all have ways we try to mask our anxiety by losing ourselves in something else. It could be food. It could be Netflix binging or social media or pornography or becoming excessively controlling or staying in bed or any number of things. Again, we all have these subconscious ways of dealing with anxiety, you know, kind of our go-to response when we feel overwhelmed. And the, the problem with these things is that they don't do anything to actually remove the backpack that we're carrying. So we end up still carrying the weight of our worries. God invites us into a very countercultural response when feeling anxious and worried. You know, rather than masking these feelings or trying to fix these feelings, bring them to God. Cast upon him the worst case scenarios that are filling your mind. Cast upon him the worries you carry, the specific concern you have about your finances or about your health or about the health of the people you love or about your children or about your parents. 
Cast upon him your cares regarding the future. Leave your backpack with him. Now there's another aspect of this prayer experience that Paul urges us to practice. He says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, we are not only to cast our cares upon the Lord, we are also to express our thanks to the Lord. Paul realizes that there is something so powerful about our choosing to give thanks to God in the midst of our difficulties. I mean, really, sometimes we can get so caught up in all our anxiety about the future that we lose sight of the wonderful things God is doing in the present. Raylene has reminded me a few times lately of the story of Joseph in the Old Testament who was in prison, right? Joseph was in prison, and yet God was still blessing him in that place. Joseph was not where he wanted to be. Life was not happening the way he wanted it to happen. But in that place of constriction, in that prison that he was in, God was still pouring out grace and favor upon Joseph in that place. And that helped strengthen him and give him perspective. You know, one of the most powerful things we can do when, when, when feeling anxiety or worry is to thank God specifically for the blessings in your life right now. We may not know if we'll have a job next week, but we can thank God for the food on our table today. We can thank him for our friendships. We can thank him for the extra time we have had with family. We can thank him for his presence in our life today. See, this is something we have to intentionally practice. It doesn't happen automatically. It's something we have to practice. I've noticed that Raylene has recently started writing down in her journal a list of things that she's thankful for. They're numbered. They're, they're numbered. And she keeps adding to the list, 24, 25. She keeps adding to the list as things come to mind. I mean, what a, what a powerful practice. What a powerful practice. I mean, anxiety causes us to focus on the what ifs, which fog our vision of what is. Focusing on the what-ifs clouds our vision, keeping us from seeing what is of what God is doing now. So we can lift that fog by choosing to thank God specifically for his blessings, for the things he is doing in our lives, in the present situation. Even though we may, we're not where we want to be, there are things God is doing in our present situation. I mean, scientific research backs this up, this idea of gratitude. Studies on happiness and joy, they, they, they back this up. This practice of gratitude makes a difference in our experience of peace and joy. Okay, so this kind of prayer, casting our cares and thanking God, is the crucial pivot point in our battle with anxiety. When what-ifs and worries begin to settle in our minds and hearts and this backpack starts getting heavier and heavier, when that starts happening, Paul says, you have got to pivot toward prayer right at that moment. The sooner, the better. Because the longer we let worry fester, the heavier that weight becomes and the more gloomy and dark our outlook becomes. 
So the moment, and I mean the moment, that first thought of worry comes to your mind, go to God, cast it upon him, and thank him. Think of a specific blessing in your life right now that you can thank him for. The more we practice this strategic pivot, the more we will experience a completely different way of living, which is what Paul describes next. God gives us a promise that results when we choose to cast our worries upon him. Here's the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. That is an amazing promise. Paul is saying that when we intentionally practice this strategic pivot, to not carry our worries, but to cast them onto the Lord, to express thanks to him. When we do that, God gives us his peace. These two verses are connected. If you do verse six, the result is verse seven. And this peace, he says, it, it, it's not a peace that comes from our circumstances. It is a peace that comes from God. And because of that, it transcends our understanding. I mean, it is beyond what we can figure out. It's beyond what we can manufacture. It is not from this world. It is from God himself. And notice what this peace does. It doesn't just fill us with warm fuzzies. It actually stands guard over our hearts and minds. It, it has a protective function. This word used here, guard, is a military term that, that speaks of something being protected with force. I mean, this is not a fickle, wimpy peace. There is a strength. There is a power in this peace that comes from God. It has the power to guard our hearts and our minds. And man, isn't that what we need guarded, right? We need our hearts guarded where these feelings and emotions can start to, you know, to, to sink lower and lower. We need our minds guarded where these what ifs can begin to take root and expand. These are the things that we need guarded, our minds and our hearts. Okay, so what is it that makes this peace so powerful and so real in our lives? Well, we'll know is the source of this peace. Look, look, look at the last three words of verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That's where God's peace is found. Not in our strategies to mask our anxiety or to control things. No, this kind of peace is found in Jesus. I love that word in. It's only two letters long, and yet it speaks of a way of living in which we are enveloped in the very presence of God in Christ. That's our zero gravity soul posture. That's our soul posture being held in the arms of the one who holds the universe in place and who gave his life for us on the cross. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah told us that this Messiah would be the Prince of Peace. Now, we, you know, we tend to hear that word prince 
um, you know, through a, a Hallmark or Disney sort of lens, you know, and we immediately think handsome. Um, but when the Bible uses the word prince, it is referring to sheer power. Sheer power. The, this word prince is used in Joshua 5 to describe Jesus as the commander, the captain of the Lord's armies. I mean, no wonder this peace can guard our hearts and our minds. It's because Jesus, the Lord of heaven's armies, is the one providing this peace. You know, I love that chorus we, we sometimes sing. Um, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. See, what, what that chorus is describing is not a change of circumstances. It's describing a change of perspective. It may look like I'm surrounded, but guess what? I'm surrounded by the commander of heaven's armies, by the prince of peace, Jesus Christ. See, living in that truth, living in that reality will put your soul in a zero gravity posture. It will put your soul in a place of settled peace. This peace that we're talking about, verse seven, talking about, this peace is available to us. It is available to all of us, to all of you. It is available to us. But again, our experience of this peace will not just happen automatically. It doesn't just automatically descend on us. It doesn't work that way. It is completely dependent upon how we choose to respond when worry and anxiety, worries and anxiety fill our minds and our hearts. Will we choose to carry these burdens? Will we choose to carry these burdens to let these thoughts and worries and anxiety gain traction and momentum and weight? Or will we choose to pivot, to pivot immediately and frequently, casting our concerns on the Lord and expressing our thanks to him for his blessings? That choice is ours. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space where we want to respond to the truth that we've just heard. So I want to invite you right now just to be in a posture of response. A posture of response. This is the most important part of this worship experience right now. What is God wanting to do in you and me right now? So let me just ask, as, you, as your heart is, is quiet, maybe your eyes are closed, what worries are you carrying in your backpack? What what-ifs are you continuing to dwell on? Be specific. Be specific. Name each one. And with each one of these worries, I want to encourage you right now to cast it upon the Lord. For example, for me, Lord, I cast upon you my worry about my son Joshua. You love him so much and you're going to watch over him and take care of him. 
I cast that upon you, my concerns about his future. I cast upon you my worry about the health and well-being of people in our church. I cast that upon you. Okay, so let's just take a moment, take a few moments right now, and I want you in the quiet of your heart or out loud if you're able to do that, cast each worry specifically onto God. Just take a moment to do that. Okay, now I want us to transition. If you had more, man, you can, after all this is over, you can stop anytime, 24-7, and cast all the worries specifically on the Lord. So, so, but I want us to keep moving here. So now I want you to think about one thing that you can thank God for right now, today. One blessing in the midst of whatever is going on, one specific blessing in your life today. And as you think of that, I want you to thank him for that. Thank him for that. Friends, when, when we look at the cross of Christ, we see a savior who took upon himself our sins and our failures so that we could experience peace with God and peace in God. So let me just say, there's another response for some of you watching. If you have never placed your trust in Christ to experience this peace with God in your relationship with him um, and the peace in God, if you've never placed your trust in Jesus, I wanna invite you right now, you can receive him into your heart and life. I'm gonna lead a prayer. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can pray in the silence of your heart. Pray this prayer with me. Just repeat after me. Dear God, I realize that my life is separated from you. And I don't wanna be separated from you. I choose right now to place my trust in Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and who rose again to give me life. I ask you now, Jesus, to come into my life through the presence of your Holy Spirit. Forgive me for my sins and transform me from the inside out through the power of your love. Father, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. I pray that you would help them grow in their relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. So in just a moment, we are going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper together. So if, if you haven't gotten the elements of bread and juice, I encourage you just to pause the recording right now and go get those. And then... Um, uh, come back and hit play and, and, and you can join in with us. So the bread and the juice of the Lord's Supper represent the fact that you and I are in Christ. 
Jesus has taken upon himself our mistakes and our sins and our failures and our shame and our anxiety. He's taken all that upon himself. We belong to him. And our lives are found in him, our prince and champion of peace. And so I want to encourage you right now to take the bread and along with everyone else watching this right now, eat this. And as you eat it, remember that you are in Christ because his body was given for you. Now take the juice or wine, whatever you have there, and, and with everyone else, drink this and remember that your life is found in Jesus, whose blood was shed for you. Jesus, thank you for your body that was given for us. Thank you that for your blood that was shed for us, that because of those things and our trust in you, we are in you. We are hidden with Christ in God. We are in union with you. Our sins are forgiven. We are accepted. We are loved. We are provided for. You are our Father. We love you. Thank you. Jesus for making all of that possible and we ask you right now to surround us with your presence and your peace well as we enter into a time of worship let me remind you that if you're watching this on Sunday uh, and you have a prayer need or maybe you have a question about your relationship with Jesus or about how to have a relationship with Jesus just text the number on the screen we have prayer team members that are available and they would love to pray with you. So if you text that number, just text prayer to that number. These, uh, one, one of our prayer team members will reach out to you shortly. They will call you back and they will pray with you personally on the phone. So let's worship our amazing Savior, Jesus.